Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the videocast where, you te- where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. And our guest today, his name is Heath Armstrong, and I actually connected with him through the Paradise Pack, uh, which is a great resource, uh, theparadisepack.com, that my good friends uh, Travis and Jason have created. And uh, uh, make sure you, uh, uh, you know, get that... Uh, um, the Paradise Pack when it comes out because it's only once a year for a limited time. Uh, so on today's interview, we're going to be interviewing Keith, one of the Paradise Pack participants, uh, Triple P there. Uh, Heath is a digital nomad, a world traveler, a gremlin smasher, a fist pumper, <laughs> an automation specialist, and much, 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 much more. So we'll be finding out a little bit about his different uh, online businesses, about his global travels, um, etc. So Heath, uh, you want to quickly do a little bit of a backstory uh, for the sake of the listeners and viewers uh, about uh, who you are, Heath, and uh, tell us a little bit about more uh, about yourself. Right. Well, Ricky, dude, thanks a lot for having me on here. Uh, I get pretty excited to, to get on podcasts, being an ex-podcaster myself. Uh, I'm actually getting ready to put out a new one soon, which is going to be pretty exciting. Um, awesome. But I lived traditionally, I never traveled. Um, you know, I went through college and got a degree in something that I had no interest in because I thought that it would pay better money. Graduated kind of in the middle of the recession and just went with the flow as far as uh, I'll get a job and do all these normal things. Uh, but it, it ended up turning into sort of a, a lifestyle of just excessive drinking and collecting of things. And I had this big house full of junk and um, wasn't happy in any relationships. And I, I just was always very optimistic that there were different types of lifestyles out there that could happen. Um, but I never gave myself the, the credibility to be able to, to go out there and make that happen for myself. So when I discovered podcasting, I was very, very hungover, man. I, I literally woke up on my garage floor with a nosebleed. Uh, my car was running in the front yard. I had no idea what I did the night before. Um, I started out at like a Catholic church for Oktoberfest or something in Kentucky. And I woke up and like, I had this bottle of whiskey, the, my nose is bleeding, the car's running in the front yard. It's almost on, out of gas because it had been running there forever. And this is the middle of a residential neighborhood too. So you got to think like a car in the front yard is strange in itself. Um, it was a really dark place for me. And I started to, to notice the issues that I was having, despite maybe feeling normal around the people that I was hanging out with, you know, that all did the same thing, just belligerent lifestyle, which made me feel comfortable and normal about it. It really wasn't what I had ever aspired to become. So I started getting into podcasting and things like that. And I listened to some shows. I reached out to some people, which I would have never done in the past. I was always very shy, but it was surprising to me how graceful strangers are to accept, um, to accept a connection to you and just give you like, maybe it's just one piece of advice or one sentence or one quote. And I started getting really inspired. And the two things that I always really wanted to do was just travel around the world. And I wanted to work for my laptop and work for myself. And I couldn't, and I'm sitting there working in like concrete plants every day. Um, I wasn't traveling at all. I had a bunch of debt and for the most part was just ultimately like depressed, like really depressed, you know? And so I was like, well, these podcasting things are kind of crazy. And everybody that does them keeps saying, hey, you can, if you do this, you can meet other people. And like, I bought directly into the, okay, you can start a podcast and get rich quick thing, <laughs> which is not the case at all. Um, but what it does do is it makes you very rich 
in knowledge and networking and, and coaching. And because if you're doing an interview style podcast, which is what I did, I went out and um, started interviewing people. It was a creative podcast. It used to be called the artsy now show. It's not on anymore, but um, you get to learn from everybody that you're talking to. And so I started pinpointing all these people that were working for themselves from their laptops, traveling the world and just implementing those strategies into my life and making changes. And, you know, over a period of time, I went from, you know, blackout face down, pants down in the bushes type of lifestyle to where I am now. Um, and ultimately I have, I have a journal out on Amazon. It's, it's a new, it's my first publication out there. It's like a, it's about a 70 page guide plus, um, plus a hundred days tracking actionable journaling, which is guided by me. And that was a process that I derived from all these interviews with all these creative entrepreneurs. Um, I basically took everything that I thought was similar amongst the group and broke it down into different sections and created a personal routine for it. Because I think that anybody who wants to be successful in business first needs to have a strong personal foundation. Uh, and as I started applying these simple principles to my life, they're, they're not hard. I mean, it's, it's really more about mind control and habit. Um, it developed into this journal. And then on top of that, I, I'm a firm believer that just taking action and being persistent on something isn't going to create any type of freedom lifestyle for you. Um, people work on the wrong projects their entire life sometimes, stuff that isn't working for them and they work hard and they work really hard. I mean, in, in my traditional job, I worked really hard, but it wasn't the right path. So I think it does take a lot of, a lot of luck and a lot of networking and the, the opportunities that you want to achieve are going to come from the people that you meet and at the rarest times that you'll never expect them. And, and I was lucky enough to uh, talk to one random guy who's like, hey, I'll teach you how to sell stuff on Amazon if you want, which I never hit envisioned in my future. Um, but I always liked the idea of making my own products. It was like always my ultimate goal. So I was like, okay, I'll try to learn that. And so now I, I, I'm writing, um, I'm traveling, and I have an Amazon FBA business that in the last two years, uh, I ramped up from zero, you know, like I could have gone to a garage sale and bought something and tried to resell it to last year, I did over 600,000 in sales. Um, and it's fully automated to the point where I've got a team that, which is like my obsession is automation and strategy. So, um, I've got teams of employees all over the place. They're all over the world and they're all location independent and they work on their own hours as long as they get the job done. And we pay attention to things like how do we keep the accounts healthy and how do we strategize the automation and things like that. And there's a lot of cool perks that come with that lifestyle as well, but it's, it's crazy to think where I've come from, you know, where I used to be. So that's kind of everything in a nutshell. There's a lot more, but you know, we have limited time. So <laughs> it was definitely a big nutshell in itself. And thank you for right. sharing, uh, you know, the struggles too, because a lot of uh, us have gone through that. I mean, uh, back in Vancouver, BC, Canada, where I'm from, I went through a dark time where I was not happy, even though I was happily, I was happily married. Um, I was uh, having three wonderful kids, but I was this happy, uh, unsatisfied internally because right. I wanted to live a life of adventure and, uh, um, you know, kind of like seeing the world. But I was uh, busy taking my kids back and forth to school, uh, living in the, uh, the suburbs. I had become domesticated and suburbanized. And I left all that. I sold it all. I took my wife. Um, nice. Her, against her consent but she actually yeah, said yes and then uh, we, we decided to travel the world and we're loving it now you know I, I'm much more happier and I'm living on purpose and uh, really inspiring others to do the same and part of the reason I started this podcast is to inspire others but like you said 
I'm the one gaining everything by by picking people's <laughs> brains about coaching and masterminding, FBA and uh, online products, etc. So I'm gaining a lot, and I, and I know for sure that our readers, our listeners, our viewers are gaining as well. So he um, definitely a lot to unravel. I would love to hear firstly about our tra your travels. Uh, we covered digital nomadism, so we covered the nomadism, and we'll definitely cover the digital part of your business. So tell us about where in the world. Is not Waldo, but is Heath, and where have you traveled in the last year? Right now, I'm in Portland at the uh, the home base and the headquarters. I had to go through a big move a couple months ago, um, and we have a big trip coming up. I'll be in Africa for mostly all of the end of July and all of August, um, and I've not been to Africa before, so I'm pretty pumped about that. But I traditionally, I mean, up until two years ago, I had never traveled anywhere, so I've been able to. Uh, adventure out and figure out how much I love it. <laughs> like more, I, it's, I love it more than I thought that I would love it, you know? And I was never scared to reach out and go into different cultures or anything like that. Uh, my fiance's family, they're, they're Persian. And so a big goal of mine is to get to the Middle East. Um, but logistically, it's a little bit difficult right now. Um, last or 2015, I took a big trip to Thailand and Cambodia. We stopped through Japan. And I think Angkor Wat really infected me with some kind of spiritual zen i spent four or five days they were just like breathing in the the spirits of those those temples man and like i brought something back from that trip of just i went from being such a high stress um you know freakazoid with everything that i was ever worrying about to realizing that in in that culture nobody worries about anything you know people people wake up and it's like it's blank o'clock. There's no time. It's not like, oh, I have to be here at seven. Or I have to be here at eight or I'll have to open my store at nine. It's literally just blank o'clock at all the time. Um, it's like whenever they feel like getting up and doing things, that's what they do. And that is really truly living in a moment um, when you can remove all of those, those obstacles with time and stress because uh, my fiance is very like high stress, usually like, oh, this, this time, this time, this time, this time. And it infects me and I'm like, oh no, let's not, let's calm down. Like we don't have to do this right now. And I try to remember how awesome it is out there in Asia. So I have a big plan to going back there. I want to hit a lot more countries. Um, I would love to go to Laos and, and Vietnam. And I've got a friend in Vietnam right now who we do some Amazon stuff with, which, which is pretty cool. I have a big team that are in the Philippines and I would love to go visit them out there. Um, but up next is we're going to Uganda for a couple weeks. And I just got word yesterday that we may be able to meet the um i don't i'm not sure what their titles are out there but if there's a a king or a president in uganda the wife so the first lady um might be coming down to meet us we're working at a school which is a nonprofit to teach sports education and i'll be working with computers um and so that'll be really cool and it's right on the nile and i might have to cut off you can't tell my hair is long but it's pretty long and i'm, I'm like contemplating cutting it all off before i go <laughs> But then we're going to go down to Cape Town for a couple of weeks um, and then back up through London and then to Montreal for a week. And we're going to a Persian wedding in Montreal, which will be really cool. So it's going to be a one hell of a trip, man. Like I'm I'm pumped. Like I just love the food and the culture. And like I like going I don't like to go to the tourist areas. I want to go sit down like with the locals and mm -hmm. they can read me, you know, all they want for being this insanely tall, pale, lanky white kid. Um, but I genuinely interested in their in, in what they have like their lifestyles, you know what I mean? Because I've learned so many things from just being around those different types of lifestyles that were completely different from how I grew up. 
Yeah, you mentioned Angkor Wat, you know, definitely one of the most amazing monuments that man has ever created. It doesn't get a lot of publicity like the pyramids, for example, know, the like, China. Crazy, isn't it? But uh, the Angkor Wat is, uh, is shockingly amazing just in terms of the, the breadth. I, I was only there for a few days, but I, I barely touched the surface, literally. So uh, definitely highly recommend going to Angkor Wat. Africa is one of my favorite continents. Uh, I love Cape Town. I think you're going to love it as well. And good on you for doing um, the, you know, the, the work there uh, with the nonprofit stuff, because that's something we really emphasize on the show as well. It's not just about making money as a digital nomad, but making a difference, giving back, impacting right. the you're in. So I'm really um, inspired by what you're going to do there with the nonprofit, uh, teaching computers and tech, uh, English, etc. So, um, you know, good on you for what you're doing. Uh, I want to shift uh, into the whole digital nomad side of things. I mean, uh, you mentioned uh, you made $600,000 worth of sales on FBA. That's nothing to sneeze about. That's definitely uh, quite a feat. Uh, tell us more about FBA. Um, a lot of people don't even know what it's not FBI, it's right, FBA. What does it mean so, to be an FBA seller? FBA is just a, it just means fulfilled by Amazon. Um, it's a term that gets thrown around by Amazon sellers a lot, but I don't think many people would understand it from the outside. They're like, wait, what is FBA, FNA, FD? What is it? FDA, exactly. FBI. And uh, FBA basically is fulfilled by Amazon. And, and what that means is they're doing all the work as far as fulfilling your orders for you. So, you may be the one selling the product, but your inventory is actually sitting in their warehouses. And when a sale happens on Amazon, if you've ever seen Amazon Prime, depending on what country you're in, if you have it yet or not, um, they will take your order from their warehouse and ship it to the buyer and then they pay you out. So as an overview, why it's so good for location independence, there's, there's, there's a huge extreme good and there's a pretty extreme bad. The, I'll start with the bad. The extreme bad is that it is Amazon's platform. So no matter how much you want to call it your business, if something were to happen between you and Amazon, then they can take your business away immediately. So it's always safe to expand into different marketplaces. But for the sake of what I was doing on Amazon, it was working and I stuck with it. Um, and I've had some pretty drastic hiccups, but in a nutshell, it's, it's a really amazing process if you, can, if you can play by the rules and do it the right way. And uh, I, I have a team of people who they source the internet. So if you think of reselling a product, you can imagine like going to a garage sale, buying something, putting it on eBay and selling it to somebody and making a little bit of money. Um, if, you, if you take your attention to new merchandise, you can essentially do the same thing by buying something at Walmart and then sending it to Amazon and selling it online for more money. And most people have a perception that on Amazon, you're getting the best deal of anywhere. But in reality, it's a free marketplace and prices are up and down. You're going to find some deals that are the best deal of anywhere, but there's a lot of stuff on Amazon that you're paying more money for than you could at other places. Now, the way we make our markups are we hit promo codes and sales like crazy. We track this kind of data. We know when stores are releasing new items. So if you look at stores like Walmart or Sierra Trading Post or uh, I used to do Target, but they banned me recently. So <laughs> uh, Kohl's, there's, there's hundreds and hundreds of these, these online retailers that we will take, we have certain software that you can use um, and we can scan full websites and it's going to match the items that are scanned on these websites to items that are on Amazon. And so then it compares the two items. So you'll get an ROI spit out, a profit number. Um, it takes all of the fees in accounting for uh, Amazon FBA because they charge you for receiving your items, packing them, shipping them. And if you were to sell something on Amazon, the commission off that sale or the profit 
generally Amazon gets half and you get half because they're doing the work and it's your pro product. So it's, it's kind of an even split. Um, but my team and mostly all my sorcerers, I call them the sorcerers, they're in the Philippines um, and they, they work at night while we sleep because in the morning I want my buyers here to be able to go through the list as soon as they wake up and start making purchases. So they use this software. They put together these really nice spreadsheets that give me all of the metric information that I want, you know, how many sales per month, how much competition, things like that. And then this list every single day, I, it's usually just Monday through Friday, but it goes to my buyer and I have one main buyer in the U S and she, she goes through the list and, and reanalyzes everything. She has the power of my, my credit accounts. And so if she thinks it's a good purchase, what she's going to do is she's going to buy it all. And then we ship these items to prep companies. So there's one in Montana that I use, which is a sales tax free state. There's one in New Hampshire that I use. And these companies essentially receive all of our items for 75 cents to a dollar a piece. They will pack them into the boxes, um, into the shipments that we have to send to Amazon warehouses. So Amazon dictates where your items are going to go to which warehouses and things like that. So we create a shipment. It goes into a list. It's like, okay, these items need to go to our Pennsylvania warehouse. These items need to go to California. The company essentially packages them up, puts them in those correct shipping boxes and ships them off to Amazon for us. And at 75 cents or a dollar an item, I mean, your margin is always there if you pay attention to the metrics when you're making the purchases. So it's automation. So from my perspective, those go to Amazon, then they sell. We, we use a repricer, which keeps our pricing competitive on Amazon. And when these items sell, they pay me out every two weeks. So I can essentially sit here with how much I've made it now. And I don't even have to, I, I really wouldn't have to look at anything to know that I could sell at least, you know, 40 or $50,000 per month without paying attention to it. Um, now you, you have account health issues and, and you have customer service and things like that. So I have assistants that take care of that stuff as well. But if I want to get back in and scale it even farther, I probably need to go in and start making bigger decisions on purchasing and buying and things like that. But another huge LI tip for this is as you're putting all this inventory on credit cards. Now I'm not saying go get a bunch of credit cards and just put a bunch of inventory on it. Right. Like that's not a game that you want to mess with. Um, but if you have the, the means to build this up a little bit and you are using credit cards, like I am to put inventory on and pay it back off, you rack up unlimited travel points, man. So not only, is this location independent business, but I can travel wherever I want, whenever I want. And that's essentially what I do. And I've gotten, you know, been able to get the companion pass and my fiance flies with me for free with Southwest in the United States. Um, we use Alaskan a lot. We go up to Alaska and down the coast. You can go to Hawaii really cheap and you're racking up like, I mean, just hundreds of thousands of these points. If you get a dollar per point and you're doing a lot of inventory, it can be a lot of money. And then, on top of that, we use cashback sites like ActiveJunkie.com or Cashback Monitor. And if we're going to make a big purchase, say even say you make a, a $500 purchase for something that's giving you 10% cash back, they give you $50 back just like that. Um, and so that money adds up too. And every quarter, those checks come through. And Active Junkie, I mean, I see checks for four or $5,000 every quarter just from clicking through their website to make purchases. So there's a lot of LI perks with the business model. And it's it's really exciting because I, I want to make my own products. And this is kind of the platform that allowed me to learn all of the metrics on how the Amazon economic front works so that I can go back in and, and plug my my products in, which is what I'm doing right now. So 
Amazing. I mean, uh, it's amazing what you built up in such a short time, uh, and you've automated it, which is even more incredible. And uh, you know, you have uh, yeah. all the not the gremlins. The, what do you call them? The sorcerers that are working over there in uh, the Philippines. Yeah, they're defeating the gremlins. <laughs> they're the, the what yeah, do they call it? It's a lot of work. I mean, they're it, it's you know, I put all I used to do every single step myself, so I, I'm obsessed with having to learn the process myself before I automate it yeah. out. But don't ever underestimate the power of automating because. I have this view that if you can do it, somebody else can do it too. And, and you can move on to creating something else. And like, we don't live to just do the same thing over and over again. Once we create one thing, we like to create stuff, but then you want to move on to the next thing and create something new or your attention is just going to get you back in the same spot you were when you were working, you know, that boring nine to five that you, that you had no interest in, in being around. So. So Heath, uh, you know, you mentioned a lot about FBA. Uh, if people wanted to first get into it, how do they choose the products? Uh, you know, where do they go to learn about it? Because I think a lot of people would like to get onto Amazon, would like to do something like what you have done, but they have no idea where to start. Start because it's a little bit overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, it's super overwhelming. And the market just in the last couple of years has changed so drastically from when I started to now. They've had a huge uh, awakening of, of brand protection. So there were a lot of counterfeiters that were coming into the market from all over the world and selling fake products. So Amazon has now implemented many restricted brands and categories, which makes it much harder for somebody to come in on the resale front. Um, mm. You can, you can totally do it. It's still a completely wide open market. It's just harder. It's more gated. It takes more time um, and investment to find the right products to flip. As far as resources go, um, what I've seen is like the scalability for doing private label or wholesale is, is, is going to be higher than resale value. Now, I, I was able to drive up, you know, a couple at the end of last year, I was doing over a hundred thousand dollars per month in sales, which is insane. And at that rate, you would end up doing over a million a year. Now I hit 600,000 because earlier in the year I was doing like, you know, I think I did 15,000 in January and by December I was over a hundred. That's how much I scaled. It's completely possible. That was very recent. Um, that's resale value, but it, it's probably more, I, I'm seeing much more of a trend leaning towards private label and getting wholesale accounts and, and having this permission to sell particular brands. So I never had much of a resource that I used. Um, I had a buddy that came through the podcast that I interviewed and we kind of just went through and figured this system out together. He was a, way ahead of me and he taught me the ropes. And then we sort of put this team together together, or we put this team together and used uh, the same sourcers, the same leads and things like that. So it was able to split our cost in half. And then we were also able to um, expand our businesses at the same time. Jungle Scout blog was always one of my favorites and they teach mostly private labels. So I've been reading a lot into them lately. It's a really cool tool to use. The guy who runs that company is called Greg Mercer um, and he's brilliant and everything he puts out is authentic. If, if somebody was looking to, to get into private label and things like that, I would follow him. We are also actually uh, launching a resource right now called fbalibrary.com. It should be out later this week. And it is a collection of tools and resources from around the internet um, that we have used that others have used to, to manage and automate. And, and you know, there's all sorts of different things on there. There's accounting services, there's uh, seller health services, there's feedback management. Um, it's just an index of all these amazing tools. But then on top of that, we're going to be releasing blog posts and information products as well as time goes on and we roll this out. So You'll see the shell up for that probably next week. If you go to fbalibrary.com, 
Um, today, it'll obviously be gated with an opt-in box, but if you just come back a week or so from now, it will be up and live. Um, the MVP version will, and then we'll be growing from there. So that'll be that'll be a, a good place to get in touch too. Awesome. Great, great resources you've built up there. Uh, talk a little bit about, more about margins because uh, it's one thing to sell $600,000 worth right. of stuff. Uh, the revenue, and then uh, roughly, I mean, you don't have to go into numbers unless you want to. Uh, roughly how much of uh, the sales versus actual profit are, are you putting in yeah. the bank? So it, it, you throw a number like 600000 out there and that's it's people think like immediately you pocketed $600,000, which is a complete, just complete, you know, not even close because you yeah. think about selling 600,000, how much inventory do you have to buy to be able to make those sales? So that's, a, that's yeah. a huge expense in itself. When you look at margin gross profit for resale is about 17 to 20%. Um, so if I were to take all of the payouts for my employees and myself, um, and every other resource, you know, the prep companies that I use and things like that, I mean, it can drop all the way down from like, I see anywhere from seven to 13% actual profit after everything's done. Now I can look at that and say, okay, if I can make enough money to live off of, and I can pay all of these people to make enough money to live off of, and I'm still getting some money back to reinvest in the business and the business is running and this amount of cash flow is there, that is a huge success for me. Um, a lot of people would be like, well, don't you think, wouldn't it be great to, to pocket $150,000 profit yourself into your bank account and things like that. But like, it's not feasible with reselling product. Uh, private label, I think the margins are a lot higher. I think you're looking at 30 to 35%. You control your listings. You don't have any competition. So the margins are going to be bigger. Um, if you sell $100,000 in a month private label, I mean, you really are making a lot of money. I've got a good friend who, who owns a brand called Opportunities, T-E-A-S. He started by just making some matcha teas uh, mm. called clear tea and brainiac a long time cool. ago. Uh, he's younger. He's a little younger than me too. He's in his twenties and I've seen him progress over the years. And he was doing this before I even thought about selling on Amazon. Now he has like a whole line of products on Amazon that are all private labeled. And I can look at his listings and, and read the metrics and he's making a killing man. Uh, it's all his margin. He owns the brand. And that's a dream for me is to be able to, to introduce your own brand and bring it on because Ultimately, you can have a much bigger margin, but the cash flow is insane with what I do. It's no telling for Amazon to be sending me anywhere from fifteen to twenty thousand dollars every two weeks that gets deposited in my bank account. But it's also going out and paying off inventory, paying out employees, and I can take that cash flow and build other businesses out of it. Um, but I'm not pocketing, you know, I'm not pocketing six hundred thousand dollars a month or anything like that. I, I can make enough to live off of and sustain and help all these other people that are working for me live too and, and create other businesses. But, you know, I'm not, it's not like I'm just rolling around in money, like, you know, like Gucci Mane. <laughs> Good on you for what you're doing too. I love what you said about you're helping other people make a living too, because uh, my wife's actually from the Philippines and I know over there, I've been there several times and it's definitely a difficult, uh, uh, it's a difficult, uh, um, standard of living there. I mean, uh, yeah, it, it is a well-developing area, but it's a beautiful area with beautiful people. So good on you for what you're doing for the fellow Filipinos. Mabuhay. And they're so educated, man. Like my right hand, Alyssa, she is so smart. I love her. And I like, she, when she tells me that she's, you know, she, she was living with her parents and her husband and her, she had a baby and now she's been able to move out. She works for herself. She said she'd never dreamed that she'd be making as much as she was 
her entire life. Like that's crazy to me to think of. Um, and I know that there's there, the, the amount that you can pay them out there is way cheaper than you can here, but the cost of living is so much cheaper too. And, and like, I just like, I love being able to see her take care of her kids and like, they have all these awesome toys. Um, and I took a big hiccup back in March cause Amazon froze my business and I lost a lot of money. I lost a huge chunk of what, what I was able to make back in quarter four, cause quarter four is usually your big, your big hitter where you make the majority of your money for the year. And I was down for like 17 or 18 days, just based off of an algorithm that triggered my account and Amazon's seller support just isn't up to speed. Like they, they just aren't up to speed with being able to respond to their suspension cases fast enough. So I had to wait 17 or 18 days. And I was thinking like the worst thoughts in my head were like, Oh my God, like they are going to lose their jobs. If this doesn't come back, I was like, I'll be fine. I'll figure something out, but like, they're going to lose their jobs and this is terrible. And, and it like, re it really means a lot for me to be able to have, have them in there. Like I sent her a MacBook um, last year cause she kept having issues with her computer cutting out and stuff. And, so I shipped one of those over to her and like, she's been so much more efficient since. And it's just cool. Like she can finally, we can do like video chats and stuff without losing networking and things like that. So, um, yes. Yeah, hey, well, super smart, man. Uh, you know, to end off here, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your journal as well. Uh, um, you have this awesome product uh, for digital nomads. So I don't want to just brush that by too quickly. Uh, but it, it's basically what do successful people have in common? Uh, the, 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 the habits of the, um, you know, uh, they're successful, if you will. So tell us a little bit more about the journal itself. Yeah, so this guy, this is what it looks like. Now, the Paradise Pack, I do make a digital version of this because people do travel a lot. Um, yeah. Like I said, when I, I did about 115 interviews with creative entrepreneurs, and a lot of them stuck. Like, there, there are certain interviews that I don't remember much of, but there are quite a few that, like, really hit me, and I still have pretty solid relationships with those people today. And mm -hmm. the journal in itself is just it's a daily fundamental practice um, for building your happiness and your awareness around the things that matter and progressing towards a vision. So you basically set your three 100 day goals. So I track it over a hundred days. That's something that I learned from honorary quarter. She's best-selling author of, you know, she has over 30 books. She's sold over 500,000 books. Actually, it's pretty crazy. But the first book of hers that I read was vision to reality. And I started talking to her. I interviewed her a few times. And I learned to track things in 100 day spurts from her because you can track it 1% of the time without having to do tough math. And it's a little bit like 90 days for, they, they say like 90 days is like the max you want to like quarter yourself for a goal for efficiency. 100 days works perfect for me um, because I can print out tracking sheets and I can check off and sign in every single day for 100 days and I can write the percentage of motivation. So I took that tool mixed with all of the different personal foundational areas that I had from the interviews and I created it into a journal. Now there's a lot of journals that I've used and I feel like I fall off the train because they're, they're overwhelming or they look like a workbook or they're too, you, know, you, you feel like they're too, too much. Like you're just not, it's like, Oh, look at all these lines I have to fill in. So um, my old coach, Jacqueline Duplessis, who's from Cape Town, actually she's roaming. She's a digital nomad. I, I hired her because I wanted to be able to one day do what she did. And, um, she was like, let's do a mosaic layout. So like, it's a very friendly, open mosaic style layout. There's different sections in the journal. You set your three, your, your three uh, freedom buds for your 100 day journal journey. And then every day there's an AM and a PM section. And so in the morning you focus on things that like make you smile and um, items of gratitude. And then you set your two freedom actions every single day that you want to work towards your three freedom buds over the 100 day period. So 
instead of creating these giant to-do lists of everything you need to do for the day, I am a firm believer that if you do two things per day that are the most important every day, or maybe it's just five days a week, or maybe it's three days a week, you're going to progress towards those, those vision, those visions that you have. Um, and it's a non-dated journal. So like it is a hundred days, but it doesn't mean that you have to do a hundred days in a row. So when you're tracking your freedom actions, we get into mindfulness, we get into meditation, um, techniques, we get into minimalism and the effect that it had. You said you sold everything and started traveling. I mean, when I went through my house and got rid of everything, I've never felt better in my entire life. Right. So that was, that was an entire, uh, it was like, I shed an old life into a new life. So minimalism is, is a huge section of the journal and then abundance and setting your planning for the next day and things like that. And it's a cool system. And yeah, there's, there's all sorts of bonus stuff that comes with that journal too. So like there's a digital version of it that you can fill out on a PDF and save if you want to do it that way. I personally have to have something in my hands physically because it just feels like it means more to me, but there are quite a few people out there that have been using the digital journal and then all the other goodies that come with it, with the bonus. Awesome. Hey, thank you so much for all of the insights into FBA about the habits of the effective. If people wanted to connect with you, uh, you know, to, uh, uh, you didn't even cover it, but to uh, fist pump and to smash gremlins, uh, if you want to quickly elaborate <laughs> on what those two things mean, and then you can uh, end off with uh, telling people how they can find you. Right. So the journal in itself, there's a 70 to 80 page guide, and it's all geared towards being able to dominate resistance. And I feel like if you put gremlins on the back of resistance, it personifies it enough for where you, you can understand where, where all this resistance is coming from. I always was very susceptible to people or to, to resistance in itself. I always just wanted to be in the cave, like not deal with anybody introvert. And as soon as I started realizing that resistance is just another force that's trying to stop you from being great, but it's not any more powerful than you. Um, I was able to overcome a lot of those barriers and continue being creative and motivated and, and move forward with all this awesome stuff. And so resistance gremlins are something that I like to call them. And we like to smash the hell out of them with, with anything that we can. So you use all these personal habits to smash your resistance gremlins, um, whether that be meditation or focus or doing a daily practice of eliminating distractions and things like that. All of those little tools that we talk about in the journal are essentially weapons to slaughter resistance gremlins. So I have a new project I'm working on now that's, that's called weapons to slaughter resistance gremlins. Um, it's just a motivation guide and it's pretty fun. Uh, but if you want to get a hold of me, keitharmstrong.com is the hub on all social media. It's just at Heath fist pumps. Um, the journal is at sweetassjournal.com. It's also probably linked on my personal site at heatharmstrong.com. It's in, it's on Amazon too. So, um, that's where I'll be hanging out. <laughs> well, Hey, not one fist pump, but two fist pumps to you for an amazing interview. Hang loose, man. I appreciate <laughs> you coming on. It's been fun. It has been. Uh, you're thanks, not too everyone. Far from me. You're in you're in Vancouver and I'm in Portland, so we're like only There you go. We gotta connect. I'm actually in uh, South America traveling currently, but I know oh, across as digital nomads, whether it's virtually or in person. Sweet man. Well I'm 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 gonna make it up there soon. I haven't been to, to Vancouver yet, so there you go. Uh, so thanks everyone for tuning in to this episode of Digital Nomad Mastery where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world uh, using such uh, tools like, uh, you know, what Heath has mentioned, uh, launching your own uh, journal, product online, or uh, doing something like fulfillment by Amazon, um, uh, reselling or uh, white labeling. Uh, so if you have any questions, make sure you connect with Heath Armstrong. He's uh, very willing and able and ready to give back 
Uh, make sure you connect with him at keitharmstrong.com and all of our social media as well. Uh, so thanks, everyone. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes, uh, subscribe to us on YouTube, and follow us on social media. We'll, so make sure you make your travel dreams come true. Happy travels, everyone. We'll see you in the next episode.